just as it took over the White House. And that was the place you were in the White House. We're part of work called Eclectic Endeavors, which is a part of the Springfield Regional Art Council. We're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Everything we make over and above our operating expenses actually goes towards a scholarship towards the nerd geeky arts. So we gave a scholarship away this year, and we'll be giving another one away next year, hopefully, depending on how much we make. Excellent. Uh, and it's all towards anything game-related, so game design, media arts, uh, writing, anything of a nerd-type culture. You know, if you want to be a graphic artist. What? Podcaster. If you want to be a podcaster, <laughs> you know, we do panels on how to do a successful Kickstarter campaign, how to draw a comic book, um, how to design costumes. We, we do all of that. And uh, we're, we're just basically trying to teach people that all these geeky, nerdy things are also educational and art. Yes. We're, we're involved in education and art, and we want to spread the art and education of the nerd subculture. So that's what we're about. Excellent. And you're located where? Well, we're in Springfield, and the actual convention is at the Expo Center in October. We also do a picnic once a year at Phelps Grove Park. Mm -hmm. uh, it's free to go. We provide the hot dogs and hamburgers, and then it's potluck for everything else. We have lawn games. We have people in the under the pavilion playing Dungeons and Dragons and Magic. Um, we do a DM battle once a year, where it's kind of like Iron Chef for Dungeon Masters. We give them three elements. They have to make a dungeon, and they they run them with some people. Then we kind of vote to see who's the Iron DM. Uh, and we also do a game day at the uh, headquarters of the region. Regional Arts Center called uh, the Creamy Arts Center once a year where it's like seven hours of board games, card games, just come in and play for free. And how would somebody contact you? You'd go to springfieldgame.com is our website. You get one of our flyers here at the convention and you can find our flyers also at Metagames in Springfield. Um, Cave Turkey has some of our flyers. Uh, places like that, 1984, you can get a flyer, of course. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I said, go to springfieldgame.com or check us out on uh, Facebook at uh, Eclectic Endeavors is the name of the group. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, and thank you for what you do. Oh, no problem. Like I said, anything gaming, anything arts, media, nerd culture, we're all about it. Weston Warren, Alan Childers, Richard Abel. Thank you to, to everyone for showing up tonight. Uh, this is a, our hour-long panel called The Edge of Beyond Experience. And in case you may have seen our booth downstairs in Exhibit Hall B, this is all for a sci-fi fantasy multimedia franchise that we're trying to build from the ground up. We're locals from Columbia, Jefferson City, Missouri. And as of now, we've got a book series out consisting of two books. And with the third coming out in October, we're here to just present everyone's role and what everyone does on the team. So first we're gonna start with concept art. When you're trying to develop a franchise of any scope or any project, you've gotta start from the ground up. And sometimes that can be a simple sketch or just an idea. 
So here's an example of a first sketch that we had of the main character, Victor Zayas. Has anyone seen the movie A Scanner Darkly? Yes. Any other people have heard it? Okay. One of the 50 artists that worked on that movie actually did this original concept back in early 2011. And trying to work with different artists, sometimes you click with people, sometimes you don't. And I met this gentleman back in 2012, and he came on board to be the official concept artist so that we could bring everything that was up here out into a tangible form. And from there, we just worked one-on-one -on -one trying to figure out, you know, what was the visual style for this while also creating something that was original. Because obviously, if you're going to promote something that claims to be new, it's got to look new, it's got to feel new, and it's got to read new. So even though these may come off as rough sketches, just starting with something is going to get you somewhere as long as you keep working on it. This just gives you an example of what this gentleman did, just starting off from scratch and just trying to pull the ideas out from my mind so that I could have something to show other people to bring other team members on board. And real quick, we're going to show you a, a teaser video, a little interview that we did with him a few years ago, just to give you a bit of insight on what it was like for him joining me and whatnot. Alan Childers, the first official concept artist of this project. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, cool. um, I thought I wasn't going to have to speak since I had a video, so. <laughs> but um, 
that was me, uh, and we did that um, interview. Um, but I met Roz in 2012 when I was attending uh, Middle Tennessee State University uh, for art. And um, uh, basically, I walked into Walgreens, and uh, his uh, manager at the time, uh, my daughter, said, you know, oh, look, she's trying to draw something like you can. And then she immediately caught on to the fact that I was an artist. And we set up uh, to meet with Roz. And uh, he went through all my sketchbooks. We have a, we found that we have a love of uh, um, pop icon culture and uh, uh, specifically Ninja Turtles. So uh, we were able to reference those things quite a bit and talk about um, some of the things he was looking for uh, when we were trying to develop the art in the world of uh, the Edge Beyond, uh, what we were trying to go for thematically, uh, what he was trying to go for with the characters. Um, uh, when trying to develop the, uh, he really wanted the expression of the characters to shine through um, with their emotions as well as with, uh, you know, the, the, the context of the world with the technology the way it was. So um, all of those had to play together. Um, and with the concept art, it was a little bit rough and a little bit sketchy. Um, and those were some of the initial concept art that we did. Um, but all of that art was uh, inspiration for him to continue further on into the world of Tiaf and develop it out further. So um, it was awesome being a part of the project. I, I love being a part of the project and I still get to um, delve into it and uh, just generate awesome creatures and characters and um, all kinds of awesomeness for the Edge of Beyond. Any questions? Well, uh, from concept, obviously, if you're going to present something to an audience, you got to have something that looks a lot more tangible, something polished. So from there, you go to even if it takes a different type of artist or even just different type of work, you can go from simple concepts. In case anyone has seen our booth, they probably noticed our two full-size characters stand up. They're wearing crystal-powered gauntlets, which the original idea for a gauntlet for me came back in about '90, which was a year or two, maybe few years after the original Nintendo Power Glove that came out, which some of you may remember. And from there, after watching Terminator 2, I was inspired by the whole liquid metal nanotech technology, which is a real technology being developed, by the way, for those that don't know, which helped uh, be the basis for what we call the undersuit, which is the hexagonal pattern that they wear underneath the uh, crystalline armor. And here is an example of our finalized, polished versions of our two main characters, Victor and Elena which are the full-size dandies that we have at our booth at this current time and will all weekend. So this will give you an example of what you can do starting out from just a sketch drawing to a finished polished concept with having more people help you develop what's coming out from up here. And there's another example of just the kind of production that we're trying to showcase to people for something original, showing these original characters in their own element. And here's an example of even if you've got someone who's doing a, basically a higher level of art, and we'll take something like this, which is something that was penciled, then inked, and then colored with something like prism markers, and then we take it into the computer, and we can turn it into something different and actually give it more of a pattern, something that has just a finished quality to it that people prefer when they're buying a product. Here's another example. This uh, is actually the villain on this cover, this was the original sketch that was inked and colored, obviously, 
And then when we get done with our magic, this is what it ends up looking like. Just to give you an idea of how we try to strive for making our characters look iconic, because obviously some people may think what we're doing is generic, but we try to create something that just has that nice magic to it. Because obviously, have any of you familiar with concept art when it comes to animated films where they show you the before and after of what a, like let's say Little Mermaid or Aladdin, the early ones always look really rough and they're just not quite there yet. And then you see that final one in the movie and you're like, okay, no wonder they stopped with that one. That one's got the magic. That's what we try to accomplish with this project. Whether or not we're succeeding, we feel that we are, but that's what we strive for. <laughs> All right, from here we go with uh, visual production. And if it wasn't for all the hours spent on the computer, which I'm not the kind of person that likes working on a computer. I like to go outside and do things, but this is what it takes. So uh, visual production, everything you see here and at our booth is helped with the computer whiz that I've got right here named Jackie Barrows. I'm gonna let her explain what her role is like and the kind of work that she's done for this project just in the past two years alone. Hi, I'm Jackie. Basically, I got started working with Roz after meeting him on a uh, production shoot for another person's uh, work, and we kind of hit it off right away. Originally, I came on board to be a video uh, editor, kind of uh, videographer sort of uh, capacity, but then I showed him what I could do in Photoshop, and uh, basically we proceeded to work on the first book cover, which as you can see turned out really nice. Um, it's a uh, took uh, many many hours of hard work to get to this point because we had to kind of work with what he wanted visually for the book cover. We had to correct anatomy on the characters, which I should honest, and that's the guy in the red wings, of course. And uh, basically, just kind of give it that overall polished look. And that's essentially my role whenever I work in Photoshop. I'm basically the person that takes everything that artists do and as a third tier artist I consider myself a third tier artist I take everything that is made and I bring it the level of polish that is needed so that you guys see the work that we do here so that you guys see that we are a professional company and so that's another example of a new poster design that you saw out front and that is basically showcasing the photo manipulation and realistic saying this uh, takes a lot of many hours of hard work and Roz and I typically work side by side for um, well sometimes we're pulling 60 hours a week getting stuff done here and you know stuff like this it takes a lot of back and forth you know he points out what he wants changed on something and I have to change it immediately and you know fix that and there are times when I get a lot right of course and yeah, that sort of deal. And that's the latest banner that we have. Uh, that was made a few, that was made, what was it, a week ago? A week ago, perhaps? And yeah, so, and that's the cover, the official cover for the art book, the source book, that is coming out along with the third book uh, this coming October. And that is a lineup of the profile shots that you will see in the art book. Here we have Petraeus on the far left, Kale right next door, Victor, 
Elena, and Talia. And all those characters are very key, and we have at least, we have, we have quite a few more characters to go. And now we're moving on to producing a crystallized standard of quality through raw talent. That is our motto. Um, that is our motto for what we do, and that is basically my, that's everyone's job, and that's kind of how I produce my work, my end of the work as well. Uh, basically, I give it that polish, that crystallized polish that we need for what we do. Um, this is Lost and Found. This is actually uh, Weston's children's storybook idea. And we're working on production for that as well. And in this, I'm the illustrator for this, basically. And this is the poster slash book cover. As you can see, we are going for a feel that is uh, kind of dark, but still hopeful. That is what we wanted to capture. We didn't want something that was happy-go-lucky necessarily, too bright on the colors. We wanted something that could feel like, you know, the 90s, 80s animations. You remember An American Tale? Yep. Or Aristocats. Yeah, Aristocats. You know, that sort of thing where it has a deep storyline that people can get attached to. That's what we're going for with this. So it's a children's book, but we try to work on a broad scope to where it could be an animated film one day. That's what we do with all our work. And this is actually one of my ideas from college that we're actually putting together. And it's a steampunk adventure epic that is sure to blow your mind once it's ready. And this is Scarlet Beaumont, the lead character. She is captain of the Mighty Mesa, and she is a she is a mighty, mighty character. And this is Abernation, a project that is in the works right now. That's going to be a sci-fi thriller. And it's going to deal with a lot of dark politics. It's a, it's a much more serious storyline, which is also one of Weston's ideas. And this is Night Serent, an idea that Roz came up with that is going to be like a precursor to Tiaf. And that's basically all the production end of it. And I just want to add real quickly, um, obviously I'm the only female on the team. Um, and I consider it quite an honor to be a part of this team. I am very young, I recently turned 25, and so I've been given a golden opportunity to work in multimedia. And most of my other classmates, if they're working in production, they're working kind of on the bottom line, they're kind of trying to work their way up. So, you know, basically with working with this team here, we're getting a lot done for, what? We're doing a lot of work. We're growing by leaps and bounds. I'm very impressed with the work that we've done so far. And we are going to continue shining forward. I can always tell. Thank you, Jack. Let's go Jackie again. Uh, when I was developing this project back in uh, 1997 was when I first came up with the premise of the story as well as the name, The Edge of Beyond. I wanted something that had a tangible science to it, not just a story full of fluff. So luckily, within the past four years, I met a local scientist who was interested in a lot of science fiction, but he felt the same way that I did, that a lot of today's stuff or productions from Hollywood, you know, is just 
full of things that aren't meant to make much sense, it's just meant to entertain, and part of what we do at Rock Productions is we want to create projects that not only entertain you, but also educate. So I'm going to introduce Weston Warren, our official science advisor, and he, he can give you some insight on the whole purpose of his role behind bringing some scientific plausibility into a sci-fi fantasy series of this nature. Thank you. How, how are we doing on time? Last, last time I we went I went too too long and do you have enough time? I got plenty of time. I'm gonna make sure I, I got mean, plenty of time. Uh, <laughs> uh, as Raz mentioned, the uh, concept of the storyline impressed me. I, I always figured that as a moviegoer, we all have a level of intelligence, and if you're watching a science fiction movie and the special effects or the concept isn't plausible. It just it insults my intelligence, and I, I can't get into the movie. But if it's believable, Star Trek, for example, uh, the phaser, the communicator, the replicator, we have 3D printing now, and, and cell phones. Tricorders are coming out now. That's, that's a reality. So Star Trek was very believable. Well, this concept of uh, TIAB, everything in the book, you read uh, book one through, throughout the series of books, are events that happen to the Earth or happen to humans that are scientifically based. This actually can happen. There's science to prove that it could happen. And it's not a stretch of imagination. So that's the main purpose of, of my involvement is the storyline that Raz had was uh, very impressive. I was impressed because he doesn't have a degree in science background, the degrees that I had. And I'm like, how did... Uh, how did you? I did graduate high school. <laughs> yeah, he's smart, but I mean, it's, uh, you have degrees. I don't know. They're, maybe they're not worth the paper they're written on. But I spent all these hours in school and in, in the field of science, and he had ideas as if he had a PhD along with me. And I'm like, how, how did you come up with uh, these ideas? These are very good ideas, and I was hooked immediately. So uh, it was worth my my time and energy to. Uh, be part of TIAB, and it's marvelous. The book is very well written. The science is founded, the storyline, the plots uh, are very good. I like the fact that it's uh, the demographics of the book. We have, it's, believe it or not, from 10 to 60 year olds. I've never seen anything like this, and it's male and female. Because usually in, uh, you take a science fiction, you have geared, say, male, 15 to 35, is this accurate to say like Twilight would be female or oriented certain age? This, this storyline is uh, all, all over because you have uh, two of the three main characters, for example, are, are female. That's highly unusual in science fiction. Raz was way ahead of his time, 19, 20 years ago. There's a trend now, but not when he started 20 years ago, of having prominent female role models. The book is full of good uh, morals and ethics and issues in society. But um, that's about what I'll, I'll cut it short to leave time for questions, but I'll hand it over to you. Pardon? Oh, the crystal technology. Okay. Okay. Um, the crystal technology, we have, is there, can you, is there a picture of like just their suits, the soul gear? Close, there's, yeah, that's a good one. You can see. Uh, what's interesting, yeah, the, the characters have what's called a soul gear. It's a suit. There you go. I like that one. So if I come over here, 
real quick. You have the hexagon pattern here and then the, the crystals that are lit. That's very, uh, very fe feasible. The crystals, uh, the soul gear is hooked to the spinal cord, so it's activated by conscious thought. Uh, the suit is flexible when need, need be, and when, it, when there needs to be a defense, the crystals are able to harden and absorb uh, energy weapons or blows, but then return back to being flexible when you need to be flexible uh, and, and move around. The crystals also reflect the consciousness or mood, the personality of the suit wearer. That's why in his books, if you look at the different, see the different colors of the crystals? that are on here, that's a reflection of their vibration, their conscious good guys, bad guys, in an angry mood, happy, uh, helpful mood. It's all related to the uh, connection of the spinal cord. The crystal technology is, is related to an event that happened to the Earth, why the crystals are so important. Uh, as science progressed right now, modern day science, we're learning more about uh, crystals. Uh, an announcement will be made to the world uh, shortly about flexible crystals that have been discovered. Uh, it's quite phenomenal what will be done and the change of technology that we will experience that mankind has never seen based on crystal technology that Raz must have been a psychic and had that forethought, forethought 20 years ago. We call it creative forethought. Creative forethought, yeah. Anything else you want me to bring up? That's it, because I'll wait if there's questions later. Let's give Weston Warren a hand, please. Next, we're going to show you a quick slideshow video that showcases the main theme, which you will hear constantly at our booth, which kind of drives the other vendors nuts, but we play it because people enjoy hearing it, and if they haven't heard it for the first time, they actually draws them to the booth to interact with us, which is what we want, because even if they don't want to purchase a book, we love meeting with people, and we love just kind of explaining to them what we're all about with this project. So this is just going to be a three-minute video that showcases the main theme, and there'll be some imagery that kind of shows what we've accomplished at other events and whatnot as we grow with this project.
in case you're wondering, I did write and compose that. Okay, next I'm gonna introduce you to Richard Abel, who has basically come on board to help us uh, get documentation together for a video game that we want to eventually pitch to bigger companies. And obviously me being a writer, author, whatever you wanna call it, and working with uh, artists that work in the 2D realm, it's nice to bring someone on board who has a bit more knowledge than I do when it comes to working in the 3D realm. So one of our plans is to hopefully by the end of the year have a 15, maybe 20 minute video game demo that we can have available to play at our booth. And I'll basically just let Richard explain that kind of process. How's everybody doing? Okay, so this is my first convention, so it's been fun. So what we're gonna do, uh, we'll talk a little bit about marketing and what we wanna do and how to accomplish that. So with TEOP, what we're really looking at is what we can do to reach a higher audience and actually do it with quality. How many play, people play video games? Okay, obviously you do with being a convention. What do you, I'm gonna be more, that is the next best storytelling medium is video games with an original concept, okay? Like I said, what's original that's coming out? There's a few here and there. So those are nice, not very many, but are you, you want the same thing rehashed over and over and over? The $60 a pop. Apparently we do. Apparently you do. <laughs> That's very true. You guys really want to, I, I'm guilty of it too. I play the same stuff. I've got every Final Fantasy. I've played every Call of Duty. I've played every Halo. Don't tell that guy downstairs I said that. Okay, because I like him. He's supposed to sign something for me. But we still play those things. We want to do that. It's just how we immerse ourselves in different worlds. We're trying to reach you in a different way of emotion and epic tale okay this is going to be a great story for you guys to be immersed with i highly recommend reading the book because you're going to get a lot of stuff out of the book as well but like i said it's going to tug at your heartstrings it's going to make you think and it's an epic tale okay it'd be nice if some of the books wound up into the video game itself like to actually have chapters that you can read in there to have that sort of idea don't tell nobody that <laughs> no and reading the book is gonna get you some things, but the video game itself is actually gonna give you more. More stuff that you can't see in the book. The book reads just like a video game. We've talked about that multiple times. Yeah, plays like a movie, reads like a movie, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, you can, as you're reading the book, you can see the fight scenes, you can see the, the uh, journey. It's a hero's journey, is what we've talked about. So, like I said, be looking for those things. Keep an eye on what we're trying to do for you guys. I mean, in Missouri, is there a video game company in Missouri? Is, somebody, is a video game no. came out of Missouri? Chosen. Nope. Oh, where's they all located at? Hollywood. Silicon Valley. Texas. Overseas. What's that? Yeah. Japan. Yeah. Why is that though? Because no one does it. You get pigeonholed in the fact that you should be going somewhere else. You can't make it here in Missouri. You have to move to Hollywood or anything like that. Nope. We don't believe that. We're here locally. We're going to do it locally and you guys are gonna see those new things coming up. We're gonna to try to make it that Raw Productions that's gonna produce this game is gonna make it a, a big staple for Missouri that the Edge of Beyond came out of Missouri. Raw Productions came out of Missouri. So, and like I said, be looking out for that. It's gonna be great. If you guys have any questions, I believe that is, actually, the last part of what we're gonna do, go back, go back one. Okay, so the way the video game is actually gonna work, it's gonna be a three-part series. I kind of glanced over that too. The first one, Rise of the Fallen. First book that we released. Next one is gonna be The Wings of Destruction, second book itself. And then the third one, which is gonna be Twilight of the Gods, okay? 
So each story, each game that we're gonna do is gonna build off each other. So the great concept with that is we're gonna make sure that you guys, the things that you do in the first one affects what you do in the second one, and so on and so forth. So that's a concept that we're currently working on, trying to get that to do. I don't know if there's any game that does that now. So we really wanna hit that as, as you grow with the characters, you grow with Victor, or you grow with Elena. So as you can see, we only have so much time to speak within an hour-long panel, but basically, uh, when I started this back in 97, I wanted something that could compete with the likes of Star Wars. Little did I know that years later, Lucas would sell that property to Disney, and they would be keeping it alive, which, you know, good for us Star Wars fans. You know, we're happy for that, but, you know, where's the next trend of originality? Where's uh, a rehash of the 70s, 80s, and 90s where we had original films like Star Wars coming out? We're not getting it. All we're getting is sequels, reboots, or remakes. Now, granted, a lot of those are really good. I'll admit that. But where's the real originality coming at? They're just, you know, milking the same thing over and over again. So we're here doing every convention that we can get to to present an original property that, with the right fan support, can, you know, blow up to, you know, maybe something as big as Star Wars. It just depends on how much love we get from that. But anyone who reads the books, gets an art print, anything, you can see the level of passion that we put behind this because this is a seven day a week job for us. We don't get a break. The only break we get is when we're at events like this, which takes away from our workflow. So when we get back Sunday, it's like, oh great, it's gonna be turning into a nine day work week just because we have to make up what we lost. But eventually we will be doing crowdfunding, which right now is a little rough starting because we're so busy with all the stuff that we've got in tow. But the more people we meet with our interactive booth, the better because we want to help spread the word and also to show people what you can accomplish on an independent level, even from a place like what some consider Podunk, Missouri. I mean, I grew up in one of the smallest hick towns in the state, Tuscumbia, Missouri. But here I am 19 plus years later trying to build you know, a project that can compete with everything you see in the theater now. And if we truly succeed, who knows, maybe you'll hear of, you know, go beyond an IMAX, which would be pertaining to the Edge of Beyond as a film. I'm gonna close a part of this panel with our official book video teaser, which is showcased on our YouTube page. And this is just something that we also had in a few theaters, including one of the IMAXs in St. Louis. And this is just to kind of help coin the term go beyond an IMAX and whatnot, while also raising awareness that even though we're selling it as a book series right now, that's just the starting out point. The end game is just a multimedia franchise, and every event that we do, you can expect to meet every team member that has helped me along the way get here because it.
My name is Neil Cordray. Did I need to start that over? Nope. Okay, hello internet. My name is Neil Cordray. And I am, you. I am uh, the I am the creator, uh, producer, editor, and all-around content monkey for Geek Fanthology, a weekly geek podcast out of www.workingtheoryproductions.com. Um, I think that's as much busking as I can do before you ask me a question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's when, yeah, that's when we're like... Yeah, so it's like, in terms of that, it's like you guys also share that. It's like you yeah. also talk about the books on the podcast as well. It's um, also... Uh, it's something that, that, I, that we haven't really done yet, other than mention on a number of occasions that Ben is a published author and that I am writing a book right now and that I hope to have it out by the end of the year. Um, hopefully before the end of the year. Like, I'm shooting for May. Uh, <laughs> We'll we'll see when I we'll see when May comes around what I'm shooting for at that point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, because I am not yet um, making enough money with not having published any books to be able to write for a living. Um, but we yeah we do a podcast um, and yeah we talk about any and all things geeky. In fact, about four minutes ago, uh, our film review of John Wick 2 just went live on the website. Very cool. Uh, it'll be up on the podcast aggregator, Stitcher, and iTunes in about an hour uh, because there's always a little bit of lag. We will um, have to check that out. Appreciate it. Um, we're, um, we talk about any and all things, um, just really kind of whatever catches our interest. Last week, we talked about uh, the first Final Fantasy game. Yep. Last night, uh, we recorded an episode about Fallout 2, um, uh -huh. which will go live the next time I need, I, I, need, I uh, don't know what I want, what episode I want to put up. Uh, <laughs> we, we keep a few in backlog. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> well, you always have to keep a few uh, behind. Yeah. Yeah, I heart fortunately, uh, keeps us a, like a couple episodes behind, so then that way yeah. we have that. Uh, in their back pocket where we're like not able to do that because we're at a con yeah <laughs> well yeah there, there, we'll do a we'll do a con post postmortem trying to get that recorded on Monday we'll see if that actually happens but uh might we might have to hold off the recording until like sometime maybe down Friday or something I don't know I'll talk I'll have to talk a bit about that um his people will have to talk to my people and by Excellent. people, I mean phones. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to text each other. My people will call your people, and my it's people. like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Versus my people. Yes. Uh, we, have, we, we are kind of a newer podcast. We've only been around for about eight months. So we, I know we have a listenership. Uh, I don't know how big it is. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody out there? Yes, there is. There's well, like tons of people out there. We, I always keep mentioning, you know, all of the celebrities that we know are obviously listening to our podcast, like Will Wheaton, all of things. Yeah, Reeves. I need to talk. Oh, yeah. Do I need to talk towards him, her? No. <laughs> Sorry. No, we're we're going in both directions. I, I'm I'm, re I'm, I'm reading get... the cameraman. No, Hello, cameraman. Pay no, pay no attention <laughs> to the man behind the camera, right? Uh, <laughs> no, he just wants my put him in front of the camera too. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I've, I've just been talking. Uh, you have any questions for me? Well, it's like also uh, in terms of that, all things <coughs> geek. So it comes in terms of gaming. It comes in terms of uh, also new shows, new t uh, new things. It's like, mm -hmm. have you hooked into Orphan Black? 
Um, I'm, I've heard of Orphan Black. I haven't really looked at it yet. Yeah, we, we podcasted on Orphan Black, so just to let you get a heads up, you really, really want to hook onto that show if you're like into really sci-fi geek and stuff like that. Well, it's like, yeah. Uh, it'll go on the list. And very, uh, and very, and very, very promising. So yeah. it's like it's going into season five, and I'm like, oh, so sad that it's ending. I kind of like being able to find shows that have that have already completed. Yeah. So I don't have to be like, and we hope they don't screw this up. Uh, oh, you mean like Walking Dead? Or, or later episodes, of, or later seasons of Buffy. Yeah. Okay. No offense, Joss. No, we love we love them all. Uh, I podcast for Walking Dead too, so it's like, hey, all of those Walking Dead fans. So <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we tend to stick to stuff that we can actually that we've actually already experienced and we can talk about. We talk a, a bit about D and Talk about movies and stuff. We'll go and watch movies so that we can then talk about it. Yep. Just needs to be a movie that we all want to watch. I think we're going to do one on uh, on Ghost in the Shell coming up. We're going to do. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to get us to do a very cool. Uh, I'm trying to get us to do a comparison between the anime movie and the live action movie. Yes. I own the anime movie, and the live action movie is coming out on Tuesday. Yes. Uh, so, uh, I think that would be a fun. That would be a fun. It will. Movie. But yes, it's like, and also, so once again, plug us in for social media. How do we get in touch with you? Uh, we are at. I gotta remember, um, because the Facebook is what is like the one thing that isn't Working Theory Productions. If you search Working Theory Productions in Google, you will, I believe we're either the first or second. Uh, link. Um, on, we are also on Facebook. I haven't set up a Twitter yet. I will be probably soon uh, because I really ought to. Uh, we are facebook.com uh, slash geekfanthology, the name of the podcast. Um, we are also um, we're also on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash working theory. You can find our uh, you can find our podcast on any good, reputable RSS feed uh, reader. Um, and directly downloadable on iTunes Stitcher. Very cool. And thank you guys both for uh, an amazing, amazing interview. Thank you, thank you. It was a pleasure having you.
explain uh, what all this is. This is some, some wares that we, yeah. various people at the Grand Fair have for sale. Um, gift wrap bottles, jewelry. Yeah, that's what we have. We have um, Dodd's Armory. the items on the table are raffle items. Why are they not items for sale? From right here. You have to be downstairs. And why is that? That is, that is their rules. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
you have your events as a, a whole weekend event? Do you just camp over? Do you stay a week? Do you, when, when you have an event?
and then with the dystopian literature, have you lost that spirit? You know, it's just like, I know he didn't say this, but <laughs> it just felt like it back when I was in the eighth and ninth grade. My God, we're going to go to the moon. You know, how cool is that? And, uh, you know, that, that's what you get from some of the science fiction and so forth. So with that, that just lays a quick foundation of the type of science fiction, uh, what it does. It gives us a perspective by which we can look at our own society, our own culture, our own world. And then these four experts to my left are really going to tell you the important stuff. So you're on.
And as a fourth grader in 1977, I was terrified. I didn't know what to do with myself. And my dad knew that he was losing me fast. I was just, I was becoming more withdrawn. And one day he comes home and he brings this comic book. And it was about this big, giant treasury edition of Marvel Comics Star Wars. And I got hold of that. What is this? He goes, I don't really know, but we're going to see it tonight. <laughs> no, no. Science fiction prior to that for me had been reading Edgar Rice Burroughs. I mean, you read like Carnival Venus, Warlord of Mars. Yeah, so those, even Tarzan had those science fiction elements in it. So that's the kind of perception I had. Or perhaps Lost in Space. You know, um, everyone was watching that. Uh, Space 1999, which was hope. Have you, have you looked at it again today? If the moon left like that, it's not going to be able to travel around and have people land on it. What the hell? But yet, somehow, <laughs> as a kid, it was amazing, especially when they started bringing shape-shifting aliens into it. I was hooked, right? But science fiction had a cleanness to it. There was something pure and clean to it. Even, even the spaceships looked like they were brand new all the time. And then we get Star Wars. It kind of brought me out of the shell in a weird way. Um, I saw the movie and started crying as soon as the ship shows up, and from the beginning to the end, I don't think I moved, breathed, or, or anything. <laughs> and at the end of it, I just sat there. My dad said, "Okay, let's go." And we stayed and watched it again. <laughs> 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 Get up. You could from do then that. On out, I was hooked. <laughs> Since then, in my life, and I shouldn't tell you this because then you'll find out where I live. But I have owned every comic book that Star Wars that, that they've ever published for Star Wars, including stuff from overseas. Um, until recently, when Marvel did 90 or 100 different versions of number one, I had every Ultimate cover, too. Um, every card that's ever been produced, um, I have. I have a room at home that is literally dedicated just to Star Wars. And when I got married, my wife said, Lucky God's name. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're looking at houses, and I, we, we always tell the girls, yeah, we need a, a Star Wars room. <laughs> and uh, so I've got the play cases, the comics, um, the books, it, but it inspired me in different ways. Not only did it bring me out of my shell, but I then became a writer myself because I was so interested in that work. And so I guess my story comes from the fact that I felt so connected to the world because those characters seemed so different than anything you see before. Um, the passing of, of Carrie Fisher recently. I've never met her. I've never been connected to any stars before. But somehow her death really affected me. And I don't know how many of you were my age um, when Star Wars came out, but fourth grade, she was my first crush, right? <laughs> my first unrequited love. And um, because there had never been any character like her in science fiction. Feisty. She was, she was she could hold her own with the guys. She was so tiny, you might take him on all by herself because she wasn't so small, right? And yet, there was something that not only did you want to protect her, because it's a guy thing, right? But at the same time, I knew she didn't need it. That was exciting, because that's my wife now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Anyway, so to, to wrap up my story, I guess, here's this little kid terrified of the world. And then I see something that just changed my life. I start doing the research, start doing the writing. And to this day, I've got, what, almost 100 publications under my belt. Um, I teach writing. I have five degrees in writing. I'm always constantly working simply because one day my dad said, this kid gets yelled, but let's make movies. And it changed everything for me. So hopefully I'll hear some stories like that for you tonight.
I grew up in a very rural environment. I grew up in an environment where Christmas time when all the family got together, it was not uncommon to hear the end of it. As an adult, I got a job at a catering company, and I got all excited because we got new chef's jackets, and Neil was so happy. <laughs> Frankly, it was just a great picture. And I was going to go out to see my grandma and stop my aunt and uncle's house, and my uncle and aunt being kind of where they had us. I'm proud of it. Because if you wear a hat like that, you look like one of them. And my friends made a comment about it religiously. It's going to get you that shot. That's where I came from. And it never really made sense to me. I didn't understand. Well, my dad took me to see Star Trek VI The Discovery Center in the little movie theater on the square in Central Missouri. And I stood up in my eyes and And then I watched the original series, The Next Generation, and I watched all of them. And these people, like I said, we all know them, but they helped teach me how to be a decent human being. The last summer, I've seen a thousand Star Trek before you ever seen one this one. Went to Little Rock to go and see Michelle Nichols. I was going to hear an interview for a full word, and then that's fine. And I, I made jewelry, and I just made her some bracelets. I mean, and her agent said she's given them thousands of times more. But I'm like, I want her to have these. And she tells a story about how she was going to quit the original series in the first season because she got offered a role on Bobby. And she turned in her resignation. And that Friday night, she was at an NAACP fundraiser. And someone taps on the shoulder and says, Miss Nichols, there's a fan that would like to meet you. And she thinks there's another fan. She turns around and standing right there is Martin Luther King Jr. And he asks her about the show. She tells him about the show. He says, Well, I hope it runs a long time. And she says, Well, actually, I'm not leaving the show to go to Broadway. He says, Yes, believe it or not. Do you understand what you do for that cause? He says, Why so? You see, not just a woman, but a woman of color is in the show. Where is she? Fourth in command of the Star Trek Enterprise. First character ever in the history of our television. So she says, Dr. King, I want to be out east. I want to march with you in Washington. He says, no, my dear, you want me to march with you in Washington. And I heard that story for decades. But I got to sit with her for 45 minutes on Sunday morning, sipping coffee, talking about her career, working with Rob, Mary Mary Newborn, and her telling me that story. I will never forget it. So I went home, and I started seeing her pop up in all over the, all over the world. She was wearing the bracelets that I had made her. On the red, the first one I saw she was on the red carpet earning her Lifetime Achievement Award at the Saturn Award in Los Angeles. And then I saw her in Australia, in Ireland, in California, just all over the place. So I saw she was going to be at another convention in Arkansas, Hot Springs, just a few months later, September. And I noticed she really favored me out of turquoise. So I made her six more turquoise bracelets <laughs> <laughs> with Indian teaspoons. And I made her four pairs of turquoise earrings. And I stood in line, and she saw me. Now, this woman sees hundreds of thousands of fans every year. She saw me at the end of the line, and she pointed at me and raised her arm. She was wearing the bracelets I had given her. Damn it, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> she remembered me, and I said, I've got more stuff for you. I gave her, and she made everybody stop. She made everybody stop. And she took out and looked at each one of these. There's a video I posted on my Facebook. It's every, everything. And she made her agent take her earrings out, put them in, and she wore the bracelets. And she kissed me on the cheek six times. He hasn't watched it yet. I don't know how. I'm a math guy. I'm still a math guy. 
it's called that space series about travel. And kid wins the space series by filling out a coupon in the back of a cereal box or something. I mean, some preposterous kind of thing. But all of a sudden, you got a spaceship and a chance to go into space. And, you know, that book, along with all the others, the Robert Heinlein wrote, truly influenced me. And my whole career has been going into uncomfortable places where I've never been before. I guarantee you, I was not looking to be made of spring lifetime. But there are weird forces out there at work that uh, you got to say. Basically, uh, starting with that book way back as a, a young person, and then uh, and what I've been doing the last couple of years is going back and rereading some of those books. And I'm going, how did I miss that? Or how did I miss that philosophy? Or how did I miss that religious thing? I was just reading it for the space opera, for the excitement of the kids. And there's a whole lot more in science fiction. That's where the social commentary really comes in. Eighth grade, you're too young to understand that. Now, approaching 500, I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, we certainly can sit up here for the next 25 minutes and tell you more stories. But I'd kind of like to hear your story. Does anybody have a, something? It actually really formed me because it was uh, in elementary school. I was given the opportunity to help out the library. The little the library was actually was destroyed. Me too. Yeah. And Mrs. Badger, the librarian, said, you might like this book. Oh my God. Um, that started me reading, period. But especially, um, uh, it, it, it touched me in that same way. And in fact, that is the passcode on some of my <laughs> because it, 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 and I'll just share this real quick. My, my son is a super little and born by Star Wars, as you are. Uh, of course, you saw the TV play. I, I saw it when it first came out, but I still knew what it was. Um, he memorized the whole thing by the time he was 12, I think. I bought him this book, The Encyclopedia of Star Wars. Yeah. And, uh, at dinner table, he was like he was 12, 13 years old. He was going through it, and he said, "They made that up." It was some obscure reference to, I think, a Dobby sketch. Not a kid. They made that up. I looked at him and said, "Dan, they made it all up." <laughs> <laughs> and that just it couldn't be just couldn't be true. <laughs> it was really all made up. So what is it? Yeah, my wife laughs me all the time because I can't remember things like dates. Things are important to her. But I can remember, you know, the name of the obscure character in the cantina yeah. scene in the corner, and she's like, what, what goes on in there? I said, no one wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of science fiction that, that has moved, moved you, um, my son and all, my, my son and I, uh, we rode one a few weeks ago. And uh, afterwards, we sat and talked for three hours. Uh, and uh, it was interesting, it was in the theater. There, there were all kinds of father and son pairs, all the way from myself, and my son was the oldest, down to young man, 
for your, you know, for mental faith. All generations bond in Christ. And uh, it's just allowed us to keep that connection, that Christian, that council, keep that connection. It's funny you say that, the, um, the Rogue One, like Justin has like one or two questions. We always go to movies in IMAX. And any big movie, we set up my green screen, and we take pictures, and people don't trust you at first. They go on Facebook. We're not mm -hmm. Facebook friends. All you gotta do is go to the Facebook page and grab a picture of their screen. But it's not like I'm used to when Rogue One came out. We set up the green screen, started snapping pictures. And it's hilarious, because you have so many families coming, and standing, and we digitally put them in Star Wars. But the wife is completely And we're back again with movie time, Vision Con Day 2, and we are here with Xavier Sage. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Good. So tell us a little bit about what, uh, yourself, your, the art, what it, and what it's all about here. Uh, so I'm, I'm one of the students at Studio Desaad. The two main artists are my father and I Desaad, my stepmother Sarah Wilkinson. And uh, we like to do like fine art pieces that talk about the ideas of like love, for example, or like where you are in life. Mm -hmm. And we also do some, uh, uh, like some fan art as well to kind of get the geek going, you know. Yeah, and which is really cool because it's like it's a, a kind of you can almost homage the two of them together exactly. into, uh, into yep. an art form and meld it into its own new art form. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's like you were telling me a little bit about the story in regards to with Nigel and Sarah and how they met and uh -huh. a little bit about the history of that. So go ahead and tell the audience. Uh, so my father, oh, so my father way, way long ago, ended up starting an art career because uh, he, oh, what's it called? He hit that point in his life and decided that he was going to try and do what he really wanted. And so he started off by doing this piece right over here. Uh, it's a ballerina. It's called Make Me Pretty. Um, it's about, oh, and he made it for my sister when she was, uh, when she was, young, oh, when she was younger. She wanted to try getting into ballet and, uh, and he wanted to do that piece just in case she got rejected by the ballet community. She could still enjoy it. And it started to spark people's interest, and he wanted to make an entire series to talk about those things and the things we do. So. And then uh, Sarah also had the passion for it as well, so oh, yes. the two of them Sarah, wound yeah. up combining their. Yep. And Sarah started uh, working at, oh, working like the comic book industry and working with LucasArts. And Very then nice. later, oh, it was a little bit more recently, about five years ago, I believe. So. Yep. So, and look at the wonderful work that has come up. So. How do we get both of uh, all of you in social media? Um, well, if you go ahead on our on our Facebook page, it's Nigel Saad and Sarah Wilkinson. Those are their Facebook pages. We also have another one for Studio Desaad, and that's where he posts all of our stuff. Excellent. So. And we look forward to seeing much more uh, of it. And can you talk about these two uh, paintings for us that you have in front of us? Yeah, of course. So these ones are uh, part of the series about love that I was talking about. It's called The Modern Day Atrocities, and it's about... Uh, it's about the things we so we do for love that we kind of failed to do correctly. Um, these ones in particular are kind of about how we uh, like how we love strangers. All right, this one is called Object, and it's about objectification and how uh, we look at someone and we either sexually objectify them or just objectify them based on whether whether or not they have a prosthetic or something like that. And when we do that, they're no longer really a person to us. So the stool in the back, oh, the stool that she's sitting on is the only thing casting a shadow because to you, she's not considered real at all. All right? Uh, Very the, cool. I know. The other one, however, is uh, called No Outlet, and it's kind of like the other side of that coin. While Object is about um, how we objectify people, No Outlet is about um, people who want to be objectified because they think that that's what, oh, uh, that's what 
love is. You know, they look for that attention because that's all they've really known in their life. All about being popular. Exactly. Being and so she has all of these tendrils to show, um, to show all of the, uh, like, all of the potential that she has that she's not letting grasp hold and she's standing on a plot of land that's slowly crumbling away to show that as she ages she starts to lose that land that she's standing on she doesn't have any ground to stand on at that point very cool and i look forward to seeing much more of the work and on the website as well and this series uh, is about ready to have the oh, another piece coming out yes I have, this, I have one of the sketches up there wow and that one's gonna be about emotional abuse wow the three faces of abuse yep yeah. And kind of turn into a snake to show that deception and whatnot. Wow. That is going to be one amazing piece. Indeed. And we look forward to seeing that. And is there anything coming out of you guys in the future? Um, not that I oh, not that I know of right off the top of my head. So I know that I plan on doing a couple pieces here soon, but it's starting to, oh, it's going to start, uh, what's it called? I don't have anything done quite yet. So Excellent. And it's great to meet you. And it's we look forward you. to everything that you got. Fantastic. I'm glad. Again with movie time and it's the, the final day here and we are talking uh, to the creator of a wonderful uh, uh, animated series, uh, cartoon series called The Devil's Pool and it's Brian O'Neill. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. Thank Actually, you for coming. Good. It's like, so tell us a little bit more about the Devil's Pool series. Well, uh, Jeremy Worley and I are partners on this, and uh, he had this idea to do this really great uh, series, and we decided to do a comic book series to get it started. Uh, the Devil's Pool is a real place here in the Ozarks. It's got a real creepy history, so we wrote a supernatural epic around that. Nice. Um, yeah, but we used all live actors and actresses, so we have a 40-member cast. We set up and do all the scenes and shoot principal photography, and then the art is hand-drawn based off of that. Wow. So, so what inspired this uh, actual series to come to be? Um, pretty much, uh, Jeremy had this really great idea to do a into uh, the world type story, lots of angels and demons and that kind of stuff, and um, and we wanted to center it around a small town, uh, Midwestern kind of town, and and it's really about you know pushing back against you know corruption and against the man and the people that kind of keep us down. So it's it's kind of a great story for our our hero Ben Carver. It's kind of an everyday average Joe that ends up with the power of an angel uh, to combat evil. So, very cool, and it's like so. Uh, basically, it's like it's dealing on also a a post-apocalyptic world, or is it more into a horror genre? Pre-apocalyptic, actually. Pre-apocalyptic. Yeah. Four horsemen world. of the apocalypse type stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, also, it's like you were saying that it's a four, uh, right now, a five episode? We have five issues right now. Three of them are printed. The, the fourth one is actually on Kickstarter. So, if you go to Kickstarter and look mm -hmm. up The Devil's Pool, we have a Kickstarter going on right now. And you can get all the previous printed uh, issues. You can get some digital copies. There's a lot of cool, fun stuff that we're doing. we got t-shirts and stuff that we're doing on that Kickstarter. So Very cool. And it's like, also, how do people get you in social media? Uh, well, we actually have, Arc Vindicta is our club and our publishing company. So you can go look at us up on Facebook at Arc Vindicta. You can go to our website at arcvin.com, A-R-K-V-I-N.com. And uh, you can get a hold of us through there. Or you can check us out at any of the Comic-Cons in the Midwest. We're at just about all of them. So Very cool. I'm looking forward, actually, to, and I seriously am looking forward to reading all of these and seeing, like, where it's going from there. 
Well, I really appreciate it. We, we've had a lot of great response and people come up and they're waiting for the next issues. Unfortunately, because of our process, it takes a long time to produce a book. Again, we have actors and we have photo shoots and we have uh, we set up scenes and, and, um, and uh, scenery and all that kind of stuff. So uh, these aren't traditional comics. They take a long time to produce each one of them. But we are planning on finishing the series and have our trade ready by 2018. So we have a complete uh, 144 trade to be out there, so we're excited about that. Nice, and where would you love to see it? Once it comes from the comic book form, where is the next iteration for well, you? We're actually already dealing with a couple of public, or a couple of production companies that are looking at uh, pitching it to Netflix and a couple other AMC. So we're really, actually, the end goal is to have a series that's actually going to a television series. Very cool. And definitely something that would be like awesome to have happen. Oh yeah, yeah, very much like, if you like, Walking Dead, Sons of Anarchy, Supernatural. That's the kind of line that we kind of follow with this. Very gritty storytelling, but um, we think it's going to be very popular and, and uh, we're Absolutely. excited to get And uh, it's like, for all of us who it's like uh, do love that sort of thing, it's like, how much more based, uh, does it feel like more real reality-based or does it feel more, fan, uh, more out there? Based? Very much reality-based. We really want to take the whole Supernatural aspect and make it something that you can... Uh, actually see happening in the real world so that uh, we can kind of expand on the idea of like you know these are things that are, these are concepts that a lot of people believe believe in as far as whether it's Christianity or whatnot and uh, whenever you actually see them in fruition in the real world how uh, the juxtaposition of that is uh, kind of throws you off you know so when you actually see the end apocalypse or the four horsemen or death or pestilence and all of those things happening um, we can actually recognize it, you know, as something that's possible because we all, a lot of us that are faith-based believe that, you know, but this is definitely a series that's for everyone. Yes. Um, it's, uh, it has some very real adult themes to it, so we don't want children, you know, necessarily, but, but it is something that uh, I think uh, everybody could get into. If, like I said, if you like Walking Dead, uh, Sons of Anarchy, those kind of storytelling, mm -hmm. that's the kind of gritty stuff that we're doing, so... And I look forward, like I said, to reading them because it's like, yes, I do enjoy those very much. And you can go on to arcvin.com, and we actually mm -hmm. have a digital version of Zero Issue, which is a free okay. issue. Um, you can download that for free, absolutely free. Whenever we first started this process, we decided that we would never sell the Zero Issue. So we produced it for the Kickstarter, and then we proceeded to give away over a thousand copies of the Zero Issue, and now we have none left except for this one that you see in this glass yes. case. So you can get it for free. Uh, if you download it at arkvin.com, A-R-K-V-I-N.com. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. You're welcome. Checking my mics, make sure everything was okay. So, but again, check out the social media. If you guys have taken photos of individuals, make sure to share that with the Facebook page as well. Share it with the VisionCon staff so other people can see it. If you have any photos, you want to tag the DJ. We want you to tag D and E Music. I would greatly appreciate that as well. Shameless plug, I'm gonna post them on my page and repost them and do all that. So if you have any photos you wanna post, make sure to post D and E Music. Thank you guys, we're gonna get started in just a little bit. 2017, the opening event on the main stage. On the last day, we made it. Feel, hey, this guy, I want to I point out, has been keeping the crowd 
amps and the sound sounded awesome all weekend. I don't know your, I don't know your name. Scott, let's give it up for Scott. Uh, Joel in the row says you've been. He's been vision con night. Well, who has uh, a favorite cosplay they've seen? Just shout it out. Nobody? Thor! What? Thor! Corn? Like Thor! Thor. That was, that was you! Super, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what we're going to do here is we're going to play. We're going to play uh, a little a loose interpretation of a game of Dungeons and Dragons, or uh, better described, a tabletop role-playing game. Um, so it's not going to be a strict adherence to D&D rules. I don't want any fanboy rage after the show. But we're going to uh, have some fun and we're going to do things. No we're going to get up from the tabletop section and break and do scenes that are based on and inspired by the things we discover in the game part. And that will be hilarious, hopefully. And... We'll see what happens. Uh, we're all performers from Springfield Improv. We'd love to see you there at the show sometime. Like us on Facebook. And um, with that, we're going to get started. Uh, let's see. Right here on the front row. No, I'm not going to bring you up here. You don't have to look at the look at the ground and hope that I don't ask you to close us in prayer or something like that. It's not, <laughs> it's not youth group con. Um, <laughs> that's next week. That's, that's, yeah, that's Young Christians weekend in Branson, right? That's a terrible weekend to be here. Um, <laughs> uh, what's a, your favorite place or a place that you enjoy playing games with your friends? Okay, I was asking him, but we'll go with this guy's house. Um, tell, us, tell us why. What, what makes his house great? They can be as loud as they want at uh, the over 9,000 guy's house. All right. Now, uh, one more thing I should point out. Uh, what we will do, like when we are acting out the scenes inspired by the tabletop section, uh, this is our good friend Zach. Everybody say, what up, Zach? What up, Zach? Zach is our dungeon master, and at certain points, he will freeze the action and call for a dice roll. I will be the dice roller for this game. Uh, I will roll against him, and whatever he decides based on the outcome of the dice roll uh, will affect the action in the scene. And our professional, wonderful, fantastic performers will have to justify in the moment their next uh, course of action, dialogue, whatever. It's going to be choose your own adventure, basically. Um, all right, you guys ready? Give me a 
this quest on? Do we have any common sense left? Freeze. No, you don't. <laughs> Man, I haven't had common sense since that last village we hit, so... Yeah, it's just... I, after we hit that village, I couldn't figure out how to pull up my pants or tie my shoes anymore. Okay, see, I feel like maybe Maybe then we can get the amulet of sense. You put a lot of emphasis on that word, man. I, I'm just trying to grab onto something because I feel like I'm slowly losing my mind. It's okay, man. We're in the, the land of terror. It's, it's kind of a common thing here. Yeah. I, I, I just, I can't tell if I'm supposed to be terrified or, you know, kind of have a sense of adventure. Let's go to the innkeeper. Yeah, she could do that. Okay, five card draw. So I, I draw five cards. Yes. 
Okay, you take the rest of the deck, and uh, if, I, if I didn't pick the right five cards, then we'll just choose out of that. Here you go. That's all, right. all the aces. You lose. I guess I thought all the aces would win, but I guess that would make too much sense. You know what? Boris! Out here! Tavern bouncer! Yeah. Get these heathens out of here! They can't pay nothing! Get out of here, Joyce! I'm sick of you! What are you doing here? I'm just trying to get the amulet of sense. The amulet of sense? Yeah! My father lost that! Five years ago, going up to the top of the mountain. Here we go again. Wait, your father time. was Emperor Kaneshnesh? Yes. I have fallen so far from royalty, but yes. My father, the emperor, took it up on top of the mountain and never came back. Then we must go back up the mountain and find it. Surely, son Kaneshnesh, you have a map to the mountain. Praise. Yes, he does. I know it well. It's memorized. That makes sense. So, I must bid you farewell and keep... I love being in your service, but we are off to the top of the mountain to reclaim my family's amulet. My voice hurts from yelling so much. You guys, we don't have to yell. We just have that option if we want it. My job. You're cheating, you have a microphone. That's not yelling. Hey. That just means I can get louder than you. sense of direction. We just gotta find my father's remains. He, I guess he still could be alive. I assume that he was dead. Grace, 
The father yet lives. But I feel deep down in my heart he's alive. I feel like this angry, cursed volcano. It's gone. The volcano's gone. What that... you start thinking about your dad? Volcanoes don't just don't just disappear. That doesn't make sense. Maybe it leads. Maybe we should follow and see if a, an opening has appeared. Fair enough. I'm gonna grab my pickaxe and pick at the wall and see if it starts spewing lava. That's not that's not very smart. No lava. Oh, we really lucked out. Look who's smart now. Freeze. Still no lava. All right, let's, let's not try our luck here. <laughs> Throw it out. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's our only hope. Fuse to my hands now. <laughs> Throw yourself at him. 
It does not work. <laughs> what good does a rock that I brought into the world do against me as a weapon, you foolish mortal? Learn to work together as father and son. Uh, well, damn God, I don't want to do that. We're doomed. We, we've never Tough titty. <laughs> Dang it, Volcano God. Please, I promise I'll pay rent. Don't make me be with Kadesh Kadesh. He is your son, your progeny, and your only heir. We've only got a certain number of people in the cast. Go with it. Yeah, that's that's really rude. Dad. Yes, it is I, Kanesh Kanesh. No, I, I will settle for a handshake. Okay. That was very athletic. <laughs> Their love has touched the Volcano God. Your love has touched me, the Volcano God. But in a place deep inside my heart, I will, I will open my doors to let you proceed out into the world to live and fight another day with the amulet of sense provided. Do we have our friend back? Provided you leave your friend here for me to torture for all eternity. Okay, man, how about, how about the whole bag of Asiago Einstein Brothers bagels? They are from Einstein Brothers. And, We've already established that. And my bag of holding. That, that's a pretty good deal, Volcano Guy. It is, it is very nice. I saw a similar one on Etsy, though. <laughs> I, I think you should do it. How about it, Volcano God? Freeze! Deal. I'm not sure why I'm agreeing to this, but okay. Okay, toss it on.
Nope. But you know what I will take? You guys coming down the mountain. Let's do it.
he dies before uttering the words. <laughs> hey man, so as far as I heard, I heard that he bestowed it on me. Just, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. There's not many witnesses here. Your holiness. That's, that's what I like to hear. I he like was going to kill us. I was going to convince you, but you came around on your own. Uh, I think you need that is some amulet of niceness in your colon. Why don't we ignite our kingdoms, this terrible land of terror, in our south side? We'll bring it together. Our south side is our land of terror in our culture. I can eat to that. I gave mine away, but... And they all lived happily ever after. Woo! <laughs> Except for the emperor who died, you know, whatever. That's cool. <laughs> It's possible. I was going to uh, make it a curse of the volcano, but didn't come back around to it. Okay, uh, in typical uh, comic book convention fashion, I'm going to, well, first I'm going to hope that walking in front of this doesn't uh, cause lots of feedback. We're going to have a panel Q&A with our cast of our show with the adventures with our intrepid heroes or blundering doofuses, um, uh, they will, our actors will answer in character any questions you have about what you just saw, they will answer as the characters that they portray in the show. So who's got a question for, uh, right here? Let's start. So are any of you paladin? Are any of you paladins? Uh, my father was a paladin, but I decided to be a cleric to be more helpful. You can't live your father's dreams. Uh, who else got a question? Somebody. I'm, well, yes. What has she been eating the whole time? What have you been eating the whole time, Lady Katrina? Einstein Brothers bagels. Heresy! Asiago. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the worst thing about Einstein Brothers. You can't just order cream cheese. You have to say the word schmear, which sounds dirty and weirdly sexual and disgusting. Please leave my Southside heritage alone, sir. Hey, you're a, all right. Very nice cleric, thank you. Yes, sir, yes, sir, Jeff. Could one of them possibly play a thief? Could one of you possibly play a thief? Oh, I am definitely a devilish rogue. I would like to hear a 60 second monologue about how devilish of a rogue you are, go. <laughs> Well, uh, shortly after I was kicked out of the tavern, I spent some time wandering around. Uh, you know, the occasional merchant uh, passing by, I would uh, trick out some of his wares. Uh, and occasionally I would do some gentleman banditry. Uh, you know, fun fun all around. Uh, you know, I, I recently bought a rapier. Uh, it is my favorite weapon of choice because it has finesse. And uh, it's just... Very high class weapon. Alright. Is that 60 seconds? We have different interpretations of the length of 60 seconds, but that'll do. Uh, let's do two more questions. Anybody got any more questions for our adventurers? Oh, okay. Anyone closer to the front have any questions? <laughs> uh, tell me about your cosplay first before we get your question. Are you Seymour from. Uh, um, 
pulls up arms, that's great. No, it wasn't, but good, good ear. You were just as cute as they were. Um, Seymour thinks that you sound like someone whom I am unaware of who they are, named Justin Roiland. Thank you. Uh, in our culture, Justin Roiler means you are a wonderful, wonderful person, and I will give you all of my money. Thank you. Who's, who's Justin Roiland? Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, so he's the guy who does all the voices for Rick and Morty. Um, uh, he, he does all the voices for Rick and Morty. Imposter Rick. Uh, let's let's get one more. Somebody who's got a really good question. Okay, look over nine thousand. This question better be nine thousand and one. <laughs> oh, what's uh, going on here? You have a Doctor Who matchup. Was it Invader Zim? I like uh, Doctor Who matchups. I uh, I uh, frequent all the daily t-shirt sites and look for those T Fury shirt punch. You know, pro tip, dayoftheshirt.com puts all of those sites in one place for streamlined you can be a better capitalist. Okay. Uh is there a wizard in the party? And if so, how long is your beard? Alright, just can go ahead. Before I was dead <laughs> I was a wizard that conquered many a country. My beard was at one point 4.7 inches long. It touched my kneecaps because I'm kind of a sort man. And it was, it had three braids and it was very nice. But now I am deceased, so it means nothing. I was also a wizard, but uh, I didn't have enough common sense to realize it at the time. It's not about the length of your beard, it's about the motion of your follicles, if you understand my meaning here. Uh, no. Yeah, it's not the beard on the outside, it's the beard on the inside. I don't even know what that means. But this but guy the beard was our, on the outside helps too. This guy was our dice holder last year at our Friday night show, yeah. and he's back. So that's going to about do it for us. We are all performers, like I said, at the beginning of uh, Springfield Improv in Springfield, Missouri. Our theater is located downtown on South Avenue uh, between Nona's and Scotch and Soda. We do shows every weekend. Most of us up here do a show called The Meta Hour. It's inspired by uh, internet culture, web phenomenon, viral trends, things like that. It's on Fifth Saturdays, which is a bit of a scheduling anomaly. But we're all in different shows. We're, they're all great. And they're all just, it's something that Springfield and the Ozarks can be proud of. And we'd love to see you there. Thank you so much for being here early on a Sunday morning and being awesome people all weekend at VisionCon. For an improvised D&D comedy fantasy, my name's Jake. That's Zach, Taylor, Andy, Andy, Katie, Derek, and Connor. We'll see you next year. Katie Meeks. I'm at VisionCon in Branson, Missouri. You can find me and the D&D Fantasy Show at Springfield Improv at 308 South Avenue between Nona's and Scotch and Soda. Hope to see you there.